0: Perhaps some of you have started to understand what I mean when I say that about 70% of our life is driven by the unconscious. You've now started to get a taste of what all that stuff actually is. It runs your life to the degree you're unaware of it. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. It's surprising how little we are actually in control. We think we're sitting in the driver's seat. However, in one way, we're actually in the passenger seat, staring out the window, occasionally shouting directions, but never really paying attention to the road. The truth of the matter is, you're never going to take that wheel in one way. As you do the work, you'll become more comfortable being the passenger and hand over trust appropriately to the driver. You will, however... Keep your eyes on the road. Over the last couple months, we've examined some uncomfortable notions such as this in order to realize how you can evolve. Today and over the next few weeks, we're going to examine money and what you can do about it. This episode was originally recorded as part of the Money from Burden to Freedom course available at courses.clearandopen.com. I offer a weekly member webcast, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com, because it's my truth that with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I'd love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you have to do is open the podcast app, view the full description of this episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. Exciting day today, because this is session six, and that means we get to talk about what money actually is. took five hours to prepare. I know, you're just, if I'd gone any longer, you might have gone past the exciting anticipation and into the annoyance. You know, like when a movie teases something for too long and you're like, that's it, I'm over it goes beyond some kind of threshold. You have to walk that line very carefully. In other news, uh, thanks for, I don't remember quite how it happened last week. I know Eileen was partly to take the credit, but I now know what the, and by no, I mean have a vague idea what the next course is going to be. We're going to, the next course we're going to do with power, what we're doing right now with money. And it's uh, my tentative title is, uh, Claiming self authority, access to authentic power. That's the tentative title. Because we've, as often happens, we've sort of run into some of that stuff. Um, The relationship to boundaries is a power issue. Uh, Relationship to money can be a power issue. Some of you have have run into that. Relationship to competence, which is something we may get to today, but definitely will uh, next time, is definitely a power issue. And competence and money are inextricably linked. That's a really important link, which we'll get to. So before we get to the definition of what money actually is, I want to take at least five, 10, maybe even 15 minutes to hear from you guys if there's anything burning, anything you want to help with, reflections on, et cetera, because I've been giving you a lot of... Well... Um, a lot of work to dredge up your unconscious shadow stuff, and I know that can be for some of you it's new and surprising uh, for others of you it's it's not but uh, you know perhaps some of you have, have started to understand what I mean when I say that's about seventy percent of our life is driven by the unconscious you've now started to get a taste of what all that stuff actually is. It runs your life to the degree you're unaware of it. Is basically the, so if you don't get the sense that your life is being driven by your unconscious at all, that's how much it is. Unless you've done a shit ton of work <laughs> digging, dredging it up and, you know, like over five or 10 years. In which case you're still aware, what happens is you're still aware of the unconscious stuff. You just, you see it, but don't let it actually hold the wheel, steering wheel of your life in which case you're still seeing it, but just it doesn't have that kind of power. So what have you to say, if anything? We can go, if you just, nobody want maybe wants to speak because they're just so excited to find out what money actually is and you're holding back. I promise we'll get to it today. I'm just surprised at the scale of my blindness to it. Mm-hmm. About money in particular? Um, I, I think money is... Um a big part of it, but I think realizing how much was being run by my unconscious and the lens of my upbringing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think I thought that I was in a lot more control than I was. I think that was my big awareness was yeah, how much I was a, a vehicle in the backseat driving somehow with like my two pinky toes, you know, yeah. and thinking that I was actually in control. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a, It's an interesting idea because you know it just hit me in this moment. In the beginning of this kind of unconscious dredging up stuff work, you have the notion that what's going to happen is you're going to go... Well, you feel like you're in control and then you start looking at the contents of your unconscious and you go, whoa, I actually wasn't nearly as in control as I thought. And then you have this notion that when you work all this stuff out, you'll actually become in control. That's actually not what happens. There's a period in the middle where you feel like, oh, I'm gaining control. And because you've deconstructed enough of your ego for it not to be running the show. But then when your ego catches fire, it just burns all the way down. And then you realize that there never even was even the concept of control it was never really real. It's just... Yeah, it's, it's, all, yeah, it's like, a, it feels like a weird double dip, like in a workout or whatever, you get to a certain level of competence and you think you got it and then you, but you don't realize that there's this whole yeah. other thing double dip yeah, yeah. so the, the first phase is lovely that's like okay i can make clear clear decisions and all of that and then you keep going and you realize that there's there's actually a decider with a capital d that is way better than any decision making you can make then you start giving up your um decision making uh to something way more intelligent and uh That's nice. takes about five or 10 years. Go ahead, Athir.
1: Being on my first course, um, as much as I'm uh, enjoying it, as much as I'm finding it rich, I'm learning, um, I'm experiencing new things. To be honest, I'm not finding it so pleasant going through the assignments. I'm finding it's... Yeah, that's that's the truth. I'm finding it so tough. Um, uh, It's like I look at it just right after. And then I get completely blocked. Um, again, it's not about, it's not a matter of me not being deep or not going deep or even fearing, um, having fears to go deep. But it's like completely, I'm losing the connection between myself and I fully. Even the things that I connect with myself usually to do um, um, on a regular basis, I'm not maybe doing it even since I started the course, you know? So that it's... It work. Uh, Yeah, I don't know how to explain further. Um, I don't have any further explanation, but this is is how it feels. I get it. It's like I'm totally blocked. Yeah.
0: No, you're not totally blocked. That's the only part I disagree with. That okay? That's good. Your ego thinks you're blocked because you're less functional, Mm. and you're experiencing cognitive dissonance, Mm. and so your ego. It sees the decreased functionality and goes, oh, something's wrong. But what mm-hmm. you're experiencing are, I wouldn't even and the word symptoms not bad, um, side effects, you could say, of doing deep unconscious work. You send me your work. I see it. And so um a, a theory, it's been such a pleasure to have you here. I wanna, I don't I don't Thank know if you, you know the the word rookie. Do you know that word?
1: No, not really.
0: R- rookie is a, like a, the first in professional sports here in the States, someone's first year. Oh, in rookie. Rose. oh, okay. Yeah. I want to give you the rookie of the year award because you've, this is Thank your you. first course and you've shown up so wonderfully. Yes.
1: Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. Thanks.
0: And so I'm so glad you brought that because the, some of the side effects that you're dealing with are, are not evidence that you're not doing well. It's the opposite. The, the evidence that you're doing really well. It's sort of like, you know, I mean, imagine the first day you do, you know, one-legged squats with kettlebells or something. The next day, it's going to hurt to get out of bed, right? And if you had no clue what was going on, you'd be like, oh, no, I've hurt myself. I need to go see a doctor, right? But actually, no, that pain means it's working.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like today, I was thinking it's session six. And I'm like, okay, so until when? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so,
0: <Yeah. laughs> so th- this is a good jumping off point for the next thing i want to say so what i've very purposefully done is use the first five sessions to sort of um imagine a, a bucket a five gallon bucket uh, of water with a bunch of sand and, and like mud that's settled to the bottom i've stirred it up i've stirred up i actually you've stirred it up i've just given you the tools so that now the water is all muddy and you're going, oh man, this is like muddied water and confusing and I'm like less functional and I feel different. Well, all of that stuff was always there. I just gave you Mm -hmm. the tool to stir it up. Mm -hmm. What that creates, I'm telling you some of my secrets here. I think this is useful. I think think it's useful to share the methods behind this. So you know what I'm actually doing with you. So what that creates, that tension, that dis-ease, that, um, you know, yucky feeling creates in in you guys a hunger to go, wow, well, this water is muddy. What do I do about it? How do I clear this? I see all this money gunk in this case. How do I have a clean relationship to money? That way, when I actually tell you what money is, it really, really matters to you. You see? Yeah. This is a teaching technique yeah. that has been proven lots of different ways. Like for example, um, the example I usually give uh, is if you give students uh, math problems that they can't solve and then give them the formula a week later, they do way better than if you give them the formula first and then give them problems to practice with. In other words, when people struggle, when people fail, when people have to look at their what doesn't work, it makes them hungry, it makes them learn faster. So yeah, I've intentionally made you guys, uh, steered you guys into pain. Now, this is a really interesting ethical question because this is exactly what cult leaders do. And we were on Slack chatting briefly about uh, this guy, uh, Keith uh, Raniere, um, who was uh, just sentenced a couple days ago to life in prison for what he was doing. And um, if you uh, have a chance to watch the series called The Vow on HBO, and then there's another one called The uh, Seduced, uh, which is a different documentary about the same cult um, it was um, it was difficult to watch for me at times because I use a lot of the same techniques that this guy does. So if anybody ever wants to talk about whether or not I'm a sociopathic cult leader, I'm happy to discuss that. <laughs> but there's a key difference because the thing is in order to be a cult leader, you have to be a great leader. They're really good at a lot of stuff, and making people hungry for change and and inspiring them, getting underneath them to say, you know, what do you most want and what's in your way and being tough on people is exactly what all of them do. And I know I do that. But there's a really key difference between a sociopathic cult leader and someone who's not. And it's too bad that it's not widely appreciated or talked about. And it is that a sociopath actually feeds on the self-esteem of other people. So I don't take any joy from causing people suffering. There's a part of me that is excited by the breakthrough that it can precipitate, but I don't get nourished by it. If you put a sociopath under an fMRI and show them grotesque pictures of like, you know, bloody bodies and stuff, they don't have a typical reaction. They get curious. They're not repulsed. So a sociopath's brain is, for whatever reason, that would take an hour to talk about it, it makes them, it draws them in. So when they put people into pain, it, they're like, ooh, they like it. And that's why they feed on the self-esteems of people, because the destruction of someone's very sense of worth feeds them. That's what a sociopath is. I don't get off on that. <laughs> <laughs> I get off on the, I, I'm willing to help steer people near that so that they can have the price, uh, uh, what they bought for that price. But it can be a fine line. The other thing, the other component of sociopaths is um, is control. The, that they really like being over-involved in people's lives and sort of moving them around like pieces on a board. Um, I, I'm really an introvert and I don't like spending time with people very much and being involved in their lives that's not me at all but the cult leaders want to be heavily involved in other people's lives and, and be active players in them so those are the two things to look for to watch out for with uh, cult leaders and see if you can set those aside and appreciate all the really great things that many of them do there because you could there's a lot you can learn about their leadership skills you don't see that on the front page of USA today what we can learn from What leaders can learn from sociopaths? Maybe I should submit that to Forbes. (laughs) 10 things you can learn from sociopathic cult leaders. (laughs) Anyway, if you ever have questions to put yourself at ease about whether I'm a sociopathic cult leader, you also can't can't do it virtually. It doesn't work. You have to be able to control the sort of morphogenetic uh, energetic fields of of people. Um, It would be very hard for me to create a cult virtually. Nobody's ever done that. You have to be able to feel them if i really wanted to i probably could but it would take a lot of effort sociopaths just do it naturally fascinating subject okay it was a little bit of a sociopath detour but i sort of felt part of me felt self-conscious watching that being like man i hope nobody thinks i'm a cult leader so i thought i would just head that off at the pass Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.